Welcome back to another episode of Yesterday Today, bringing you the best sounds of yesterday today. I'm your host, McLean Westbrook, here with my co-host, my assistant, uh, Jake Westbrook. Wow, demoted already. We're only on, what, like, the fourth episode here? Well, I do the intro, I get to decide who's who. Well, anyway, I've been up on, like, packing a suitcase, so I'm not really in the mood to argue with you that much. McLean and I, my, my good old buddy friend driving companion McLean. We're living on a road trip tomorrow, so I thought it would just be, uh, it would be nice to, uh, have a day of road trip-themed old-time radio shows. Yeah, that's right. I'm already in the spirit. I got this gigantic stack of maps. I have a bad habit of picking up maps every time I go into thrift stores. I just, I love collecting maps for some reason, and, then, and most of these maps are very outdated. Following, like, 1950s and 60s road maps across the United States. It's going to be a good time. We're touring the uh, the Southwest. We're going to be around that Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming area for about a week. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. Um, yeah, uh, speaking of an overabundance of things that we pack, do we really need this much canned food, Jake? McLean, are you uh, criticizing my crippling addiction to uh, Dinty Moore beef hash? I'm just, I'm just saying, we're only going to be gone for like a week at most. I don't think we need 40 cans of beef hash. <laughs> we're out in that desert with the buzzards overhead and the coyotes circling. You are going to thank the Lord above that we have that beef hash. <laughs> Is the beef hash supposed to scare the coyotes away? The coyotes were unrelated to the beef hash. I was just insinuating that in a, in a situation where we'd be starving, we could use them. But you, stop, stop, stop. Not important. Sorry, Not important. it was very atmospheric. My apologies. Not important. The first show we have today is another episode of Phil Cole Radio Time, Bean Crosby Show. And on this episode, the special guests are Bob Hope and Dorothy L'Amour. Now, this trio of actors uh, starred in several movies together, The Road Pictures, of which I am a huge fan. I, I own them all because they're just great movies where Bob Hope, Bean Crosby travel all around the world. They somehow meet Dorothy L'Amour along the way every time, fight over her. Yes, all great comedies except for Road to Hong Kong. We don't really talk about that one. It was the last in the series, and it was not the best, let's just say that. Anyway, not the point. So, in this episode of Philco Radio Time, uh, Bob, Bing, and Dorothy kind of get the act together to do, to do a little uh, a road picture on radio. And this time it's, it's a road trip along Route 66, so uh, give a listen. This one's from January 29th, 1947. When the blue of the night Meets the goal of the day Someone waits for me This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to Philco Radio Time Produced and transcribed in Hollywood With John Scott Trotter, his orchestra and chorus the Charioteers, Skits Henderson, and Bing's guests, Bob Hope and Dorothy L'Amour. Ken, you don't mean Bob Hope, the author of that current bestseller. So this is Peace. Is he here? Mm -hmm. George Bernard Jaw? <laughs> In person. And Dorothy L'Amour, the beauteous siren of Paramount Pictures, also is present. Oh, Dottie's here, too. Oh, what a gay, mad night this pretends to be. <laughs> Let us away, John Scott. My heart veritably goes crazy. Bump, 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 bump,
pass the time of day Do you have to smile at me that way? My heart goes crazy It goes bump de bump bump Can't we just shake hands and feel at ease? Do you have to give that extra squeeze? My heart goes crazy It goes bump de bump 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 my doctor told me this has got to stop He never heard a beat like hippity hippity hop When the conversation's going fine Must you get your lips so close to mine My heart goes crazy It goes bump de bump bump what lot You got me, you got me crazy too My heart goes crazy It goes bump, bump, de bump, bump Can we just shake hands and feel at ease? Do you have to give that extra squeeze? This thing is gone it goes bum, de bum, bum, bum. My doctor told me this has got to stop. He never heard a beat like hippity hippity hop. When the conversation's going fine, must you get your lips so close to mine? My heart goes crazy. It goes bump. De bump bump, what will I do? No use, I'm through. You got me, you got me crazy too. Remember, Jeff? Ah, very nice, Bing. Thank uh, you, Ken. By the way, do you want to know what makes my heart go crazy? I'm not too eager, Ken, but I'll bet it begins with Philco. <laughs> Oh, you're so right, Bing. It's a Philco 1201. Ken, you know Bob Hope is here tonight. Oh, yeah, and, I know. Uh, and Dorothy Lamour. So tonight, let brevity be your keynote. Huh? The folks are waiting to hear from Lamour. Well, Dottie is beautiful and charming, but personally, my heart still goes crazy for the 1201. That's the streamlined automatic way to play records. Mm-hmm. Is it as attractive in a sarong as Lamour? <laughs> well, no, but the 1201 is the easiest radio phonograph in the world to spin your records on. Doesn't spin any easier than Hope. He's really in a whirl, that boy. <laughs> Perpetual whirl. Uh, say, since you mentioned Hope, Bing, you could... I uh, shouldn't have. I well, would. you did. You know, you can catch his program on your 1201. Has a fine radio, too. Sounds like you're right in the studio with Bob. Right in the studio, maybe, but nowhere near the microphone on his show. <laughs> well, uh, then just use gotta, the phonograph. Got a bulldozer eh? to get up to the microphone. The <laughs> just use the phonograph. And... You just slide a record in the 1201. Oh, yeah. It plays automatically. No needles to change, no tone arm to touch, no adjustments whatsoever to make. Oh, it's a dream set, Ken, really. Very chic, too. Yes, Bing, it's so completely automatic you could play it blindfolded. It's obviously a natural for parties and dancing. Puts more zip in your listening pleasure, whether it's radio or records. That's why Philco's 1201 has been an overnight sensation. It's the largest selling radio phonograph in the world today. It's the new invention in radio from Philco the Leader. Is 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Crosby, throw me a straight line and let's get this egg rolling. Huh? <laughs> How much time can you waste here? Let's move. Steady, influence, steady. By the way, where did you get those green stains on your elbows? Off the pool table? No, those aren't green stain, grass stains. I was looking down a gopher hole trying to find your hooper rating, you know. good <laughs> 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 there. You're so happy and gay just because you're on top. Thank but tonight, you. Thank tonight, you. Bob, we're going to have a little class on the program. Why are you leaving? <laughs> Carpenter, will you take over, please? Well, ladies and gentlemen, many of you have written in asking, how did Bing Crosby and Bob Hope first meet? Many of you have written in asking, when did they first meet? Uh, many of you have written in asking, why did they first meet? <laughs> That's enough meat. Let's get to the potatoes. Do you mind? <laughs> Let the man talk, will you? Many of you have asked, uh, how did Bob and Bing first meet Dorothy L'Amour? So tonight, these and many other questions will be answered in an original play entitled The Road to Hollywood, starring Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, and Dorothy L'Amour. Music, Mr. Trotter. story opens many, 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 many Not years so ago. Not so many years, please. We find Bing Crosby driving westward from New York City. He's flopped on Broadway, the boulevard of broken dreams. And now, practically penniless and in very low spirits, he pulls into a small garage on the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio. I'd like you to take a look at this motor. I, I think it's missing. Okay. Say, that's quite a motor you got in there, a squirrel in a cage. Yeah, I get four miles to the acorn, too. Say, look, bud, I'm on my way to California. I got to get this car fixed. I think the body has a wiggle. Well, I can fix that. I know all about body wiggles. I used to sell candy in a burlesque show. <laughs> Say, you're a pretty good mechanic, aren't you? Mm-hmm. That nose of yours ought to be great for changing tires. <laughs> And that ain't all. You should see it siphon gas. That's where I live. <laughs> you think you're going to get this thing fixed soon, you know, so I can get going? California? What are you going out there for? The orange picking season? <laughs> orange picking? No, I'm going out there and getting pictures, boy. You're going to get in pictures? Yes. Drop in on your way back. <laughs> Come on, get to work on the car, will you? Getting right at it. Here we go. Moving right at it. That was all it needed, a new spark plug. <laughs> Thank you. Fine. Well, Bub, how much do I owe you? Three dollars. Three dollars. Mm. No young fellow like you ought to be in pictures, too. Three dollars. <laughs> I was just thinking, a handsome young fellow like you, you, you ought to be in pictures. Two and a half. I can tell just looking at you. You, you got, I bet you got plenty of talent. Two bucks. <laughs> and that left profile. Ronald Coleman. A buck and a half. <laughs> and that right profile. Gary Cooper. 75 cents. I can see your name in lights and girls all over the country swooning when your face comes upon the screen. Say, you want to sell this car? I got to get to California. <laughs> no, I don't want to sell the car. I I'll give you my gold-plated yo-yo, two boxes of bubble gum, and $50 for it. You got $50? Look, why don't you get your $50 come on out the coast with me? 
You mean you'll take me? I'm gonna try. <laughs> we now pick up our two stalwarts in Chicago. They've become acquainted, in fact, very well acquainted. You took my $50 and bet it on a horse. <laughs> and what a glue pot. <laughs> We haven't had anything to eat for three days. Oh, come on, cheer up. We're in Chicago, the Windy City. Oh, they sure have pretty girls here. I'm too sick to look. <laughs> you are sick. We're broke. <laughs> We're broke. We're in a strange town. We have no friends. We're hungry. There's only one way out. You mean... We'll commit suicide. We'll jump off the highest building in town. That's the Wrigley Building. Mm-hmm. 24 stories. Yeah. We'll go to the top. Mm-hmm. Walk across the roof to the edge and mm. zing. Fruity, fruity. <laughs> Was your mother frightened by Orson Welles? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't jump off a building that is so tall. I, I get dizzy in high places. Yeah, let's try this building right here, Marshall Field. Oh, come on, come on. Now, come on inside. Okay. Here's the elevators. Ouch, hey, hope stop. I can't breathe. Sorry, I was pushing the wrong button. <laughs> we go um, We go straight to the roof Sorry, Nothing. I was pushing the wrong button I'd like to try it again if you don't Small souffle I thought we the delivery was wrong I'm right, all right Straight we go to the roof, huh? Right to the roof Nothing will stop us Take that egg with us Right, right Would you boys like to ride my elevator? Would we, would we Don't wait, let me in I'll Boy, what in. a cute elevator operator what are you doing later, honey? Huh? Going up. Yeah. <laughs> Say, aren't these nice elevators? Yeah, and those shafts ain't bad either. <laughs> We're gonna commit suicide. Now, never mind this pretty girl. Second floor, books, magazines, and periodicals. Here's what I get off. We're jumping off the roof. What do you mean you're getting off here? It's a long jump. I want somebody to read on the way down. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Say, honey, that's quite an outfit you're wearing. What do you call it? A sarong. This thing has no shoulders. <laughs> what holds it up? Public opinion? <laughs> what, uh, what's your name, sweetie? Dorothy Lamour. Lamour, that's French for love, shall we? <laughs> well, here's the roof. Bon voyage. Say, uh, Bob, I, uh, just thought of something. There's no sense in being too rash about this thing. You jump off the roof today, I'll jump off tomorrow. Oh, no, you... You bet my money on that horse and you jump first. Well, that's why I want to stick around a little more. The horse may come in. Mm, could be. Not for those three legs. You take the leap today. I want to read about you in the papers. Besides, Dorothy here would be lonesome with both of us gone. Go on, jump. Say, honey, how about you and me having dinner tonight, huh? All right, come on, Hope. Kiss me goodbye and jump. Oh, but I can't kill myself. What'll become of the baby? Think of the baby. What baby? My mother's baby, me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, fellas. I work in a little nightclub when I finish here. Mm -hmm. Why don't you drop in there tonight and we'll talk this all over. Okay. Where do you work, honey? Society Kid Hogan's Classy Cabaret. <laughs> oh, it's a date. We'll get our brass knuckles and meet you there at eight. And as much as the boys are practically starving, we take you immediately to Society Kid Hogan's Classy Cabaret. Uh, 
Hey, Bing, who was that little baby who just played the piano? Oh, that little tot's name is Skitch Henderson. He's only two years old. <laughs> oh, that's a cute tuxedo he's wearing with the satin lapels and the diapers. Isn't yeah. that cute? <laughs> I'll bet he's the only musician that Petrillo has to burp. <laughs> How's it going? Call a waiter. I'm starving. How can we eat? We haven't got any money. Well, Dorothy works here. We can order some food and have him take it out of her salary. Now, just a minute, boys. You're moving pretty fast. You'd think we were partners. Partners? Hmm. <laughs> Say, how much money have you got saved up, Dorothy? Mm, about $60. Honey, I got a hunch that you're going to Hollywood with us. <laughs> I can't. Who'll act as my chaperone? He will. He will. He will. He will. He will. Gee, two chaperones. I guess I'll be safe. Why, certainly. Come on, let's go, huh? We now pick up our little group as they're nearing Albuquerque, New Mexico. Boy, this western country is really beautiful, isn't it? What are those funny bushes rolling along? Those are tumbling tumbleweeds. Sounds like a cue for a song. If it's not, we're going to be a minute and a half short tonight. <laughs> Tumbling down Pledging their love to the ground Lonely but free I'll be found Drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds Cares of the pastor behind Nowhere to go but I'll find Just where the trail will wind Drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds I know when night is gone That a new World's born at dawn I'll keep rolling along Deep in my heart is a song Here on the range I belong Drifting along With the tumbling tumbling Eighteen days after leaving Chicago, our nomads of the open road reach Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they're forced to sell their car for obvious reasons. At this very moment, they're in conference with a local businessman trying to close the deal. Now look, mister, this car is a terrific buy. It's in great shape. Buy it, and when we're big hits in Hollywood, we'll send you a present. You believe we'll be big hits in Hollywood, don't you? Ugh. <laughs> ugh. Why don't you think we'll be big hits? Too ugh. I guess the biggest laugh of the show is one lousy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Are technique. You... <laughs> are you the smiling Irishman? No, me nasty Navajo. Yes, you are. <laughs> you don't like our car, huh? What makes big smoke come from motor? This is a Stanley steamer, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> Think of all the smoke signals you'd be able to send with a car. You know, it's all... Oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> you can't go wrong, Chief. The value of this car is heap big. Pale face mean big heap. <laughs> You're just self-conscious. <laughs> Hurry up and sell him. I'm getting tired of holding up this rear axle. <laughs> Chief, this is the car for you. Listen to this horn. <laughs> me like that. Me take call. Wait here. I bring wampum from TP. <laughs> it's a good thing I told him I was bat boy for the Cleveland Indians. Can I let go of this axle now? Now, hold on. Wait a minute. Here he comes. Oh, and look at the bundle he's got in his arm. There ought to be a lot of greenbacks in that package, boy. Yeah. You take wampum. Me take car for a ride. Thanks, Chief, and happy landings. Come on, lift that bundle open. It must be loaded with dough. Oh, boy, there's got to be plenty of loot in here. Hey, we've been scalped. This isn't dough. It's three Indian blankets. <laughs> ah, what will happen to our young hopefuls with no money and three Indian blankets? Will they get a job standing in front of a cigar store? No. Will the fickle finger of fate keep them from reaching Hollywood, their dream city? What will they do? Well, go ahead and tell them. We're practically running into Henry Morgan's program now. Yeah, the finish of this sketch has got to be a shave-a-thon if we don't hurry. <laughs> hurry up now. Well, anyhow, folks, our two heroes and our heroine traded in their Indian blankets for one bus ticket to Hollywood. But what good is one bus ticket for three people? Let us tune in and find out. Yes, lady, this is a bus to Hollywood Thank you, driver Come along, boys, take my hand Hey, wait a minute Are your two uncles going along, too? <laughs> oh, these are my two young sons, Bingy and Bobby <laughs> They're big for their age Ah, <laughs> uh, how old are you, Bingy? Uh, Thirty, uh, eight years old, going on seven <laughs> mm. And, uh, how old are you, Bobby? Da-da, goo-goo, chi-chi bar Uh, little Bobby, uh, he, he doesn't talk very well, does he? He's chewing tobacco. <laughs> well, all right, lady, you can take him on the bus, but they'll have to sit on your lap. Hot dig it! Come on! <laughs> all right, all right, hold tight, everybody. We're off to Hollywood. Come on, Mama. Come on, Ma. Shake a leg. I won't be able to move for a month. Come on. Come on. Look, look where we are. Paramount Studios. Oh, we could never make good at Paramount. We don't know anybody on the inside. We don't have to with what you got on the outside. Come on. <laughs> Paramount Studios. Of course, that isn't quite the way it happened. We've had a lot of fun working together. Remember the road to Zanzibar? Remember the road to Singapore? Remember the road to Morocco? Oh. 
Remember the road to Morocco There's so much that's happened since then Bob has written lots of books All of them succeed And now that he has learned to write He's gonna learn to read Incredible Remember the road to Morocco care to go back again the villain followed Dorothy till he became a pest so now she's doing pictures where she's practically dressed remember our big kissing scene I'm glad there was a crowd that day on stage 15 It's water that's over the dam And since then a bouncing baby boy was born to Dot They're trying to figure whether it's a capital gain or not <laughs> Remember the road to Morocco We sure got in many a jam but I told some of those funny jokes the natives seem to like. That's why the chickens union sent their hens out on a strike. <laughs> you made it ham a la mode. Yeah, I guess we should forget about Morocco Road. And so, ladies and gentlemen, ends our little vignette. Here is your Philco man. If tonight's drama inspires any of you listeners to take the road to Hollywood yourselves, don't forget that nowadays, Philco's new portable radio is standard equipment for traveling anywhere. And while we're looking back along the road, let me remind you that Philco pioneered the modern portable radio that plays on its own batteries. Along with such other Philco firsts as the original of all table model radios, the famous Philco Baby Grand, the first practical automobile radio, the modernized radio phonograph with no needles to change. These and many other electronic achievements have made Philco today the world's largest radio manufacturer, the undisputed leader of the radio industry since 1930. Because the greatest achievements in radio tone, performance, and value have come from the Philco laboratories first. Always thinking ahead, Philco gives you tomorrow in your radio set today. So when you look for your new radio or radio phonograph now, look at the leader first. Look at a Philco, famous for quality the world over. <laughs> We've been framed. Now from the Paramount Picture Blue Skies, you keep coming back like a song. Skitch Henderson, flailing the Baldwin. Steady, man. Can't run away from you, dear I've tried so hard, but I fear You'll always follow me near and far Just when I think that I'm set Just when I've learned to forget 
I close my eyes, dear, and there you are. You'll keep coming back like a song. A song that keeps saying, remember. The sweet used to be That was once you and me Keeps coming back Like an old melody The perfume of roses in May Turns to my room in December from out of the past where forgotten things belong. You keep coming back. Like a song You keep Coming back Like a song Before uh, shoving off for the Casa Krovny, I'd like to thank Bob and Dottie for dropping in tonight. Oh, I was most happy to, Ping, and it was really a thrill being here. Well, you got paid. No wonder you're thrilled. <laughs> please, please, Bob, let's stay in the land of make-believe. Let's not bring up any dreary business details. Anyhow, folks, next week Peggy Lee returns to our little flock, and also as your special guest, we will have Beatrice Lilly. Oh, I must tune in. Incidentally, I must get home now, brush my teeth with Pepsodent. Yeah, and I must get home and sleep in my Philco console. <laughs> See you at Paramount tomorrow morning, Robert. Shooting a picture you are, we yeah, know. Yeah, we're finished with favorite brunette, you yes. know. But try to be on time, will you, yes. for Road to Rio? See you at the crack of dawn. <laughs> Bring a lime cola, will you? Good night, folks. This program is produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in to Philco Radio Time next week when Peggy Lee returns and Bing's guest will be Beatrice Lilly. And remember, only Philco makes the 1201. It's the newest invention in radio from Philco, the leader.
Hours Philco Radio Time with Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Dorothy, Lamore. And uh, I have to finish cramming as many clothes as I can possibly fit into the suitcase and then jumping up on down on it until I can zip it up. McLean, you want to take over here for a minute? I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, This show here is an episode of the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, a program that ran from the late 40s right into the early 50s, you know, right into the the last few years of the golden age of radio. Um, This episode is one from the later seasons. It's from June 28th, 1953, and it is titled A Vacation Without Elliot, uh, detailing um, the Harris's efforts to go on vacation without including one Elliot Lewis. Elliot Lewis was the name of the actor portraying the character originally known as Frank Rimley. It's kind of complicated. Frank Rimley was a member of Phil Harris's band and became sort of like this character referenced to on the Jack Benny show. But uh, when Jack Benny changed networks and went to CBS, the Jack Benny show kind of took the rights to the name Frank Rimley with it, even though Frank Rimley was an actual person. It's kind of complicated, but I think it might have also had something to do with Phil Harris leaving Jack Benny's show around the early 50s and being replaced with Bob Crosby. Um, well, I think he had to leave because he wasn't making the uh, network switch to CBS and he still had his own show over on NBC. That's true, that's true, you're right. By the way, uh, have you seen my toothbrush though, anywhere? Uh... Have you tried looking in the bathroom? Uh, yeah, I will do that when I get home and get to my bathroom and look in my bathroom. We are not at my house right now, McLean. We are in the studio, so no, I have not looked in the bathroom for my toothbrush. I thought I brought it with me when I brought... I thought it was a good idea to bring all the junk here and pack while we were recording, but apparently I was wrong, but whatever. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Continue. I'll look for my toothbrush. Okay, where was I? Oh, yes. But yeah, um... In one of the later seasons of the show, Frank Rimley switched to just the the name of the actor that was portraying him, Elliot Lewis, who himself was a rather notable figure in radio, um, Mr. Radio, as he's sometimes referred to. Uh, he had a lot of lot of parts acting, um, writing, directing in radio, and uh, had a lot of efforts in conserving some old-time radio broadcasts and recordings. So he's a very interesting figure in his own right, and he does a fantastic job portraying the character of Frank Grimley slash Elliot Lewis on The Phil Harris Show, but um, he never really thought of himself as a comedy actor, which I think is odd since he does it so well. But yeah, um, without further ado, here is Vacation Without Elliot from June 28th, 1953. Oh, found the toothbrush! RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevalier, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharpness Music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Like most people, Phil and Alice have been eagerly looking forward to their summer vacation. They're anxious to make a fast getaway, but I've got a feeling that something may slow them down. More about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. You may think you keep a close check on your money, but do you know how much you have in your pocket right now? Don't look, take a guess. Now go ahead and check. How far off were you, 25 or 30 cents? Well, for as little as that every day, you can buy the finest television there is. RCA Victor. You'd never miss the money. 
New RCA Victor Television is priced as low as $199.95. And every RCA Victor has the automatic magic monitor, an exclusive circuit system that automatically brings in and holds the finest pictures possible. The magic monitor automatically screens out interference, automatically steps up power, and automatically ties the clearest picture to the best sound. Ask your dealer about his particular easy payment plan. How, after a small down payment, it may take only pennies a day to own America's most advanced TV. RCA Victor Television with the Magic Monitor. Here's another good reason for owning an RCA Victor. America's only coast-to-coast -coast factory organization for expert installation and maintenance is available exclusively to owners of RCA Victor Television. The RCA factory service contract is one more reason why every year more people buy RCA Victor than any other television. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today, the Harrises start on their summer vacation. They've rented a cabin up in the high Sierras and are going to spend two months there. As we look in, they're all packed and are about ready to leave. Hey, man, I can't wait to get up to them mountains. That rugged life, that's for me. We'll be all alone with nobody near us for miles. We'll have the whole place to ourselves with nothing to do but hunt and fish. Oh, it sounds exciting to me. I love the idea of that primitive life. Let's see, if I packed everything... I've got my sable wrap, my ermine jacket, and my silver fox stole. Hold it, Jaza. <laughs> Alice, you don't need all that fancy stuff. Well, what are you taking along? Only the necessities. I'm taking a pair of blue jeans, a pair of boots, an old hat, a pair of socks, and four cases of old smuggler. <laughs> That's just for medicinal purposes. <laughs> In case I get bitten by a snake. Oh, Phil, there aren't any snakes up that high. I know, that's why I packed one in my suitcase. <laughs> Small water moccasin, you know, a kid. He won't take up much room. He's kind of cute. Of course, I had his teeth pulled, too. <laughs> are the kids' things all packed? Yes, everybody's things are ready, but, uh, well, all except Williams. Honey, why do you have to take that brother? Oh, Willie, he'll be a lot of fun. He'll be a great companion for you. He's an outdoor man, and he just loves the rugged country. Oh, he's as rugged as a brownie. Well, sis, that boy... I'm ready to go. Here, Philip, here are the things I want you to pack for me. What do you got there? All the things I'll need. My woodcraft manual, a six-bladed Boy Scout knife, pottery baking set, Foot warmer, back scratcher, and bow and arrow. You ain't gonna change your underwear, huh? I packed my clothes separately. This is just my camping and hunting equipment. Fine hunting equipment, a bow and arrow. Well, what's wrong with that? A lot of men hunt with arrows. With suction cups on them? <laughs> I just use the suction cups to catch the little animals. How you catch the big ones? With a plunger? <laughs> Willie, you 
you sure you know how to hunt? Oh, I'll prove it to you. We'll go hunting every day. And I guarantee we'll come back every night with a bag full of butterflies. <laughs> Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> Daddy, Phyllis and I are all packed. Can't we leave soon? Yes, in fact, we'd better. We got a long drive ahead of us. Oh, I can't wait to get up to the mountains, Daddy. We'll have a lot of fun. Just you and Mommy and Alice and me and Uncle Willie and Julius. Julius? Who invited the Barracuda? <laughs> oh, I did, Phil. I felt sorry for the boy. He never gets to go away for the summer, and I thought it would do him good. How come you're taking Julius when you wouldn't let me take Elliot? Because Julius needs the fresh air and the sunshine. He's anemic. So is Elliot. That poor kid's blood count has gone down from 90 proof to 70. <laughs> I got news for you. He was awfully hurt, too, when I told him he couldn't go. Well, let him be hurt. Every time we go someplace on our vacation, he horns in. Ever since we've been married, he goes along with us whenever we go on a trip. And he acts awful. That's not so. He behaved very nicely on our honeymoon. <laughs> I was surprised he agreed to let me go along. Well, he didn't want to at first, but I promised him that you wouldn't get in the way. <laughs> one trip he's not going on, and I made sure of it. I told him we were leaving tomorrow. That's why we're sneaking off today. If I know him, he'll be around here tomorrow morning with his bags, invited or not. Oh, Alice, how can you be so cruel to Elliot? I told him he couldn't go on the trip. He, he said he didn't mind, except it would mean going through a whole summer with out hearing you sing. And he, he said he'd miss your glorious voice. Well, I wouldn't want him to miss it. Then he can go with us? No, I'll make a record and mail it to him. <laughs> Turn the machine on. For a minute, I thought it was going to work. <laughs> we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny. But we'll travel along, singing a song side by side. Don't know what's coming tomorrow. Maybe it's trouble and sorrow. But we'll travel the road. Sharing our load side by side Through all kinds of weather What if the sky should fall Just as long as we're together It doesn't matter at all When they've all had their quarrels and parted We'll be the same as we started Just traveling along Singing a song Side by side. Side, 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 side We'll keep on walking together Life will be a ball Let everyone, everyone join together One for all Oh, we ain't got a barrel of money Maybe we're ragged and funny But we'll travel along Singing a song Side by side Oh, we don't know what's coming tomorrow What if the skies should fall Just as long as we're together It doesn't matter at all When they've all had their quarrels and parted We'll be the same as we started Just traveling along Singing a song Side by 
hope that'll hold Elliot for the summer. Look, it's getting late, honey, and we'd better leave. Everybody grab something, carry it out the car. Hey, whiz, this is a dirty trick to play on Elliot. Sneaking off like this a day earlier. Well, if we didn't, he'd be here tomorrow morning with his bags. Not my Elliot. He doesn't go where he's not wanted. All right, everybody, get in the car. Come on, now. We got a long trip ahead of us, and we... we... Seems to be something wrong. This seat's awful high. Curly, I'll thank you to get off my lap. <laughs> Elliot, when did you get in the car? Last Tuesday. <laughs> I've been sitting here for five days. Look, Elliot. I'm starting to get saddle sores. Elliot. Elliot, you can't go on this trip with us. Why not? Because you weren't invited. Well, what's that got to do with it? If I waited till I was invited, I'd never go anyplace. For the last time, I'm going to tell you something. You weren't invited on this trip. We don't want you on this trip. So beat it. Get lost. Go away and stop bothering us. Curly, what's she hinting at? <laughs> Look, Alice, stop beating around the bush. You got something to say? Say it. <laughs> you have nothing to say? Get back in the bush. I don't like what you're not saying. <laughs> Elliot, I know it's kind of tough to get this through to you, kid, but but Alice doesn't want you to go on this trip. Why not? Well, for one thing, there's not enough room in the car. We've already got six people going. Me, Alice, the children, Willie, and Julius. Julius? What mentally incompetent moron invited him? I did. I mean, it's none of your business who invited him. The fact remains he's going, Elliot. Alice Faye Harris. How can you sit there in your mink blue jeans and say that? <laughs> I said it and I mean it. Now get out of this car before I kick you with my chinchilla hunting boots. <laughs> All right, I'll get out. I know when I'm not wanted. So long, Elliot. I'm sorry you can't go. You ain't mad at me, are you? No, I'm not one to bear a grudge. Go ahead, have a good time. Careful backing out of the garage. I'll direct you. How far back can I go? I'll tell you, just keep coming back. A little further. A little further. A little further. That's enough. <laughs> well, now that you smashed your car, I guess you can't go. Oh, yes, we can. We just dented the fenders. Oh, come on, Phil. Let's get started. We have to pick up Julius, and I want to stop at Mother's house first to say goodbye. Okay. So long, Elliot. Curly, I'm not going to let you go without me. You're not going to drive off and leave Let me. go of my linen duster. <laughs> So long, kid. Have a nice summer. Willie. Willie, you stay in the car with the children. Phil and I'll just take a minute with Mother. Come on, Phil. Well, let's hurry it up, honey. Let's just say goodbye and then come right out. And don't ask her to come along. We ain't got enough room. Ellie! <laughs> How did you get here so fast? You know that front tire that you were complaining was so wobbly all the way over? What about? That was me. <laughs> Stop it. Now, how'd you get over here? I hung on to your bumper. You ain't gonna shake me. <laughs> Look, Alice, you might as well take him. It's gonna be easier on my nerves. Oh, no, no, there's not room enough for him. Now, you get rid of him while I go and see Mother. Hey, Curly, there's room in the car for me now. 
While Alice is inside seeing her mother, let's leave without her. <laughs> Look, Elliot, you might as well give up. There isn't enough room in the car for you. There would be if you'd leave somebody behind. But who? I can't leave Alice behind. I can't leave my kids behind. And I can't leave Willie. Who says I can? <laughs> Look, there ain't no way we can talk Willie out of a free trip I believe I've got a way Willie wears glasses, don't he? Yeah And he can't see a thing without him, can he? No, but he... Oh, I get it <laughs> If something were to happen to his glasses He'd have to stay in town to have a new pair made Correct <laughs> Uh, Willie, uh, would you step out of the car for a minute, please? Uh, certainly Be right there uh, what, uh, what do you want, Elliot? Willie, did you know that your glasses are broken? Uh, wh 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 where? Well, hand them to me and I'll show you. You see, there's a great big crack right over... Whoops! I dropped them. <laughs> what was he wearing? Headlights? <laughs> the loudest bifocals I ever heard. <laughs> Oh, gee, Willie, I'm terribly sorry I dropped your glasses on the sidewalk and broke them Oh, that's all right, Philip I have another pair <laughs> oh, Curly, we're wasting time Let's just set wait fire minute, to him <laughs> Willie, uh, where do you keep your other pair of glasses? In my apartment uh, Philip, you can drive me over there while we're waiting for Alice Oh, you'd better lead me to the car I can't see a thing Can't, huh? Curly, let me lead him <laughs> now then, Willie, I'll just take you by the arm Turn you around And away we go Elliot Sure Where you leading him? The car ain't in that direction No, but that open manhole is. <laughs> Oh, so it is uh, Come along, Willie We'll each take one of your arms and lead you Now you're sure that you can't see where you're going, huh, Willie? Oh, no, no, no I can't see a step in front of me if you fellas weren't leading me, I'd be liable to step into... Well, what do you know? He fell down that manhole. Yes, he did, didn't he? Get me out of this sewer! <laughs> hey, Curly, how'd you get down there? I was so busy talking to Willie, I didn't watch where I was going. That's a silly thing to do Well, never mind Help me get out of here Why should I? I don't care who's in the manhole As long as it leaves a place for me in the car <laughs> I'll drive him up, Curly You join us whenever you get a chance All right, Phil I'm ready to leave And <clears throat> Fellas What are you doing out in the middle of the street? And where's Phil? Uh, uh Curly decided not to go to the mountains, Alice Uh, he's gonna spend the summer at Pismo Beach <laughs> He's swimming there now. I am not. Let me out of this manhole. Oh, Phil, will you stop playing and come out of there? Elliot, Elliot, help him out. Oh, all right. Grab my hand, Curly. Hey, where you been, Curly? You're sopping wet. Why, you no good. Alice, we can't take him on a trip in that condition. Curly, you go home, dry out, and meet us later. Come along, Alice. Get away from my car. You ain't going no place. The nerve of that guy trying to take my place on the trip. One of these days, I'm going to Oh, no, 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 Phil. Don't get excited. Get in the car, and on the way over to Julius's, we'll turn on the radio. Maybe Peter Potter will be playing one of your records. I don't care what be. Yeah. That would soothe my ruffled nerves. 
Young Johnny Jones, he had a cute little boat. And all the girlies he would take for a float. He had girlies by the score. Sweet little peaches on the shore. But Johnny was a Weisenheimer, you know. His steady girl was Flo. And every Sunday afternoon, they'd jump in his boat and then they'd spoon. And then he'd row, row, row. Right up that river, he would row, row, row. That hug he'd give her then, he'd kiss her now and then. She would tell him when, and then he'd fool around and fool around, and then he'd kiss her <laughs> A little further he would row, just he and Flo. And with her head on his chest, he'd take a few measures, rest, and off he'd row, row, row. In Johnny's boat, he had a cute little seat. And all the kisses that he stole were so sweet. And he knew just how to row. He was that rowing Romeo. He had an island where the trees were so grand. He knew just how to land. Then tales of love he'd tell the flow till it was time for them to go. And then he'd row, row, row. On up that river he would row so slow. That hug he'd give her then he'd kiss her now and then. She would tell him when and then he'd fool around and fool around and then he'd kiss her. <laughs> A little further he would row just he and flow. And then he'd drop both his oars, take a few more encores and off he'd row. Row, row, just here in Florence. Row, row, row right into heaven. Row, row. He had no Johnson Motors, so Johnny and Flo would row, row, row. Peter played a peachy one that time. <laughs> oh, Philip, can't you drive a little faster? We'll never get started on our trip at now, this rate. Now, take it easy, Willie. Just take it easy. Take it easy. I bet Julius was wondering what happened to us. We were supposed to pick him up hours ago. I hope he's ready. Oh, he's ready, Phil. There he is, standing at the curb with his bag. Oh, yeah. Hiya, Julius. I'm sorry I'm late, kid. Don't talk to me, you big ham hock. <laughs> been stood in here that long? Yeah, I stood here for three hours till I got bunions on me feet. Then I sat down for three hours until I... Where you been, anyway? Don't exaggerate. You haven't been waiting that long. Now, come on, get... Wait a minute. What kind of hat are you wearing? That ain't no hat. I've been here so long, the pigeons built a nest in me head. All right. Now, look, take your two bags and put them back in the car there in the trunk. Okay. Just take me bags and put them in... Beat it, you little fink. This berth's occupied. Oh, no! Now he's living in a trunk compartment. <laughs> Are you spending the summer here, Mr. Lewis? Not so loud. Nobody knows I'm here, so don't tell Mr. Harris. Tell him. Why? If I don't, he'll get arrested for smuggling dope across the border. <laughs> Why don't you be quiet? Julius, what's taking you so long back there? Mr. Harris, your trunk's a little crowded. You know what you got back here? Yeah, 
I got a spare tire, a tool kit, and a jack. I got news for you. There's a joke on your jack. <laughs> oh, no, not Elliot again. You guessed it. Elliot, get out of that trunk. All right. Now, get in the car, Julius. Let's get started. Say, wait a minute, Julius. Where are the provisions I ordered? I left them in the refrigerator at the market so they keep fresh. Oh, nuts. Now we're going to have to stop at the market and pick them up. Well, come on. Let's be on our way. Goodbye, Elliot. But Curly... Fine trip. Left six hours ago and we're not even out of town yet. All we do is keep making stops. Nobody seems to know oh, what honey, the... Oh, honey, honey, you just passed the market. Stop the car. What fell on the hood? Me. Oh. <laughs> so fast I slid off the roof. <laughs> you don't give up too easy, do you? <laughs> Look, now get off of that hood and get lost. Julius, go on the market and get those provisions out of the refrigerator. Well, I can't carry them by myself. There's three big packages. I'll need help. All right, I'll help you. Hey, wait for me, Curly. Just to show you there's no hard feelings, I'll go in and help you. That's mighty nice of you. And what do you got in mind, Clyde? Nothing yet, but I'll think of something. Here's the refrigerator, fellas. Come on in with me and help me carry this stuff out. Ooh, man, it's freezing in this room. This place feels like a rehearsal hall for Sonia Henning. <laughs> the packages are over here in the corner. We'll each take one. Hey, Curly, I got it. If Julius were to get locked in this refrigerator, he couldn't go. And then there'd be room in the car for me, wouldn't there? Yeah. <laughs> you think good in a cold room. <laughs> How do we do it? As soon as I say go, we'll make a run for the door and shut it on the kid. Gotcha. Here's a package for you, Mr. Harris. Thanks, kid. And here's a package for you, Mr. Lord. Thanks, kid. Go, Curly. <laughs> well, it worked. We locked them in. We get left in there. The old man's a little slow on his feet. <laughs> I guess this just isn't Curly's day. Oh, what's taking you fellas so long? It's getting dark Al, out. Get me out of this icebox. Now he's in the icebox. <laughs> Bill, why don't you stop horsing around? Julius. Julius, open that door. Okay. Come on out, Mr. Harris. B-R-R, it's cold. <laughs> Now, will you come on? Let's get to the car and get going. Yeah, we got a long trip ahead of us. Elliot. Ma'am? The last time you're not going with us. Very well. I know when to give up. If you don't want me, I'll leave. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, at last, we're rid of him. Now, let's pick up these packages, put them in the car, and get on our way, huh?
Well, just think, Phil. Only 50 miles more and we'll be at the cabin. Yeah. Hey, I better stop at this service station and get some gas. Okay. Man, I can't wait to get up to them mountains. I hear they got some great hunting and fishing up there. Shall I uh, fill her up, sir? Yeah, she'll take about 15 gallons. Yes, sir. How you doing, bud? You got it filled up yet? No, every time I put gas in the tank, somebody spits it back at me. <laughs> Alice Elliott's in the gas tank. How'd he do that? I don't know, but we've got all summer to figure it out. <laughs> We'll be back in just a moment. Whether you're off on a vacation or just staying around home, you can listen to all your favorite records with RCA Victor's new three-speed portable phonograph. This remarkably compact automatic Victrola phonograph is styled along luggage lines, has a comfortable handle for easy carrying. Take it to the shore, to the mountains. Play it anywhere there's an AC outlet. It can play all your records automatically. The center's the secret. Load up to 1445 extended play records on the large slip-on spindle and relax to almost two hours of music. When you're in the mood for music on 78 or long play records, load the standard spindle. You'll enjoy concert hall tone at every speed because this portable three-speed Victrola phonograph has RCA Victor's famous golden throat tone system. It's just one of the many fine Victrola phonographs now at your RCA Victor dealer. Folks, this is Phil again. You know, this is our last show of the season, and Alice and I want to thank all of you for making it a wonderful season. In fact, we enjoyed being with you so much that we're all coming back next fall, starting October the 4th, same time. Alice and I would like to thank our entire cast, ladies and gentlemen, for without them, it wouldn't have been possible, and especially our two wonderful writers, Chevrolet and Singer. And I think you'll all want to join me in a word of gratitude to our sponsor, RCA Victor, because they have a wonderful summer show lined up for you, a show starring a great guy and a very good friend of mine, Tony Martin. Tony's starting next week, so be sure to listen to Tony Martin Time. He'll have some of the great RCA Victor recording artists as his guests, and I know he'll entertain you in the latest style. Thanks for a wonderful season, and good night. Good night, and have a wonderful summer, everybody. Thank you. Included in this program transcribed was Jerry Hausner. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Now, for less than $3, you can have long play records of your favorite classical music. RCA Victor's new Bluebird Records bring you the world's finest artists and such treasured selections as Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto No. 1, Brahms' Symphony No. 3, and ballet music from Sylvia. Listen to RCA Victor's Bluebird Classics. They're available on Long Play Records and in 45 albums for less than $3 each at your RCA Victor record dealers now.
folks, that was the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, Vacation Without Elliot. Uh, we just have a couple more things to pack up here. We'll be all set yeah. to go bright and early yeah, tomorrow um, morning, set out in the old station wagon yeah. J- uh, uh, Jake, the open road. Jake, um, question. Yep. Uh, so I noticed that um, I, w- I was planning on bringing a couple things of water, you know, on the desert. We might want to make sure we stay hydrated. I noticed you um, took the water out of the car and replaced it with more cans of beef hash. A plane? Um, yeah. Water is very easy to find. Everybody has it. Everyone's got faucets, hoses. They sell it in bottles for crying out loud. Do you know how hard it is to find beef hash out in the desert? I, that I'm, beef hash is going to save your life one day, McLean. How about you stop spitting on the hand that's feeding you, okay? Okay, okay. I'm just kind of concerned. I just think that maybe we should pack... We should just, just make some your bag. water is all I'm saying. Just finish packing your bag. We got to... Get up bright and early tomorrow. I'm gonna get okay, this okay. over with. So Where's we my western shirt? So I can what? Where's my western shirt? Cowboy one? I, I it's uh, plaid and it's got snap buttons on it. Yeah, I saw you uh, haul that in with your stuff earlier. I immediately threw it away because I assumed it was you a, threw uh, it away. A sweat rag. What? And uh, frankly, that's gross. Hauling <laughs> okay. a sweat rag around with you. Okay, so. Uh, apparently, I'm the one that's gonna that that doesn't know anything about the desert because I, I didn't bring cans of corn hash, corn beef hash. What's more important, McLean? But you're the one throwing out westerny shirts. What's more important, McLean? Cans of beef hash because you know your life will be in danger, or looking like an authentic cowboy when you're really a boy from Oregon. Okay, I'm going out to the dumpster. You introduce the next show. <sighs> well, the symptoms often spoken. I'm going out to the dumpster. You introduce the next show. Uh, what we have up next year, I have two, count them, two episodes of the radio program Suspense. It's sort of like the Twilight Zone, but on radio. This first episode is titled Death Went Along for the Ride. It stars uh, Gene Kelly. It's from April 27th, 1944. It's a man on a cross-country drive, and uh, he runs a bit, a bit of peril. So, uh, here it is. Roma Wines presents Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salute to your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the man in black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you a star, Mr. Gene Kelly, in a suspense play that tells of fear and suspicion and dangerous adventure on the long highway from California to New York. And so, with death went along for the ride, and with the performance of Gene Kelly as a man named... George Javery. We again hope to keep you in suspense. Front, boy. Front. You'll take Mr. Brown to 314. Yes, sir. Uh, I want a room. The name, sir? George Javery. But uh, I haven't got a reservation. Oh? Well, I think we can fix you up, Mr. Javery. If you'll sign, please. Uh, Sure. (coughs) Excuse me, friend. Yes, I couldn't help hearing your name, Javery, hmm? Well, that's right. In the relation to Frank Javery of Cincinnati? Well, not that I know of. Oh. 
kind of a funny name. No offense, you understand, but I just thought, you know. Sure, I, I know. Been doing quite a lot of traveling, haven't you, Mr. Jaybird? Huh? <clears throat> I see all them stickers on your bags. Oh, oh, yes, I've been out of the country. Room 610, 450 a day. Will that be all right, Mr. Javery? Sure. <laughs> you, uh, gonna stay in Reno very long? Uh, just overnight. Going east? Uh-huh. You uh, driving? Yeah. Say, what do you want to know? Uh, thought I'd tip you off to a good place to eat, see? <clears throat> you uh, like steaks? <laughs> when I can get them. Better stop at Harry's place, then. Best steaks between here and Chicago. Here's the address. I wrote it down for another fellow this morning, but he left before I could give it to him. Oh, well, well, thanks. You, uh, driving back east alone? Yes. Say, uh, what did you say your name was? <laughs> I didn't, but it's Brown. Steve Brown. Well, look, Mr. Brown, if you want a free ride east, why don't oh, you just... Hey, no, no, no. I'm heading up to Portland, see? Oh, well, well, have a good trip, Mr. Brown. Same to you, Mr. Jaffer. Thanks. Don't forget to stop at Harry's place, Mr. Javer. I think you'll find it a very interesting spot. Very interesting. Mr. Javery. What is it? Did you notice a fellow with only one arm? Oh, no, where? I didn't think you did. He said he was a friend of yours. But don't have nothing to do with him, Mr. Javery. He's no friend of yours. He's no friend of anybody. Don't have nothing to do with him. Oh, here's your drink, Mr. Javery. Thanks. Oh, did your friend find you, Mr. Javery? What friend? A uh, one-armed fella. He was looking for you. He said I should keep my eye out for you. A one-armed, fra- uh, one-armed man, Mr. Javery? I know. There's no guest at the hotel that answers that description. I tell you, I seen him coming out of your room, Mr. Javery. I don't know how he got in there, but I seen him coming out. You heard me. I'm checking out. If there's anything wrong... Oh, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm just checking out, that's all. But at three o'clock in the morning... Look, I, I said I'm checking out. Now, now, please get my bags out to the car. Just put them in the back of the car. Yes, sir. Now, look, kid. For the last time, do you know? I don't know nothing, Mr. Jeffrey. Honest, I don't know nothing. Okay, okay. Here. Gee, th- look, here he comes now. Hey! Hey, wait a minute. Thanks, Mr. Jeffrey. You, uh, going east, mister? Oh. Oh, it's you, huh? Say, what's the big idea? What big idea? Now, listen to me, my one-armed friend. I can't help having one arm, mister. All right, all right. But what's the idea of following me around? You've been following me ever since I got here. Oh. Well, I'm sorry about that, mister. So am I. Now, what about it? Well, you see, I'm kind of down on my luck. So I'm hitchhiking. I gotta get east, and I heard you were going east, so... Oh. You are going east, ain't you, mister? Well, yes. Yes, I am. Do you mind if I come along a piece? Oh, all right, hop in. Say, uh, there's one thing you haven't explained to me yet. Uh, What's that? What were you doing in my room? Hitchhiking? I was never in your room. The bellboy said he saw you come out. Don't know what he said, but I was never in your room. Oh. Well, it's kind of late to start driving, I guess. I don't mind. I'm used to night work. Oh. Say, uh, I don't think I got your name. Jones. One arm Jones, they call me mostly. You traveling far, Mr. Jones? Uh, as far as St. Louis. Uh-huh. Have you been in San Francisco lately? No. 
No, I came by way of San Diego. Why do you ask, Mr. Javery? Oh, nothing. I thought I might have seen it. Uh, what's the matter? How did you know my name? Your name? <laughs> That's an old hitchhiker's gag. Hang around a hotel lobby and find out who's who and maybe where's heading, see? Yeah. See? There doesn't seem to be much traffic tonight, does there? No. Are you looking for something? Oh, just reaching for a cigar. Get your hand out of your pocket. I, I was... Get only... it out, I said. You don't have to pull a gun no. out. No? All right, Mr. Jones. Come on, let's have it. What's your game? Game? Yeah, your game. Come on, spill it. I don't get it. Neither do I. I suppose you haven't been tailing me ever since I checked into that hotel. Well, I, I explained about the hitchhike. Get out. Out of the car? You heard me. Okay. But, Mr. Javer... What? Don't be too surprised if you see me again sometime. Good night, Mr. Javery. Tonight for Suspense, Roma Wines bring you a star, Mr. Gene Kelly, whom you have heard in the prologue to Death Went Along for the Ride by Henry Denker and Ralph Berkey. Tonight's adventure in Suspense. This brief intermission in the play lets imagine we're listening to a conversation taking place at the smart Coral Beach and Tennis Club in Bermuda. An American about to depart for the States thanks his Bermudian friend for the gracious hospitality shown him, in particular for the especially enjoyable wine his friend served. He remarks how much he'd like to be able to get some of that same wine at home. The Bermudian chuckles as he says, but my friend, that wine you enjoyed so much, it comes from the great wine districts of your own California. It is Roma wine. Yes, friends, many Americans are still not aware that Roma wines are so highly rated in many foreign lands that they are imported to be enjoyed as rare luxuries. But here in America, we can still enjoy these superb Roma wines as a daily pleasure, well within reach of the most modest purse, with no high import duty, no expensive shipping costs included. That's why Roma wines cost you so little. Have you been overlooking the enjoyment these richly satisfying Roma wines offer as a delectable beverage at any time, as the addition that can make any meal an occasion, as a sure-to-be-appreciated offering to your guests when you entertain? You get some idea of the great worth of these fine Roma wines when you learn Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. I'll spell the name for you. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage our star, Gene Kelly, as George Javery, in Death Went Along for the Ride, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. All right, put him up. Come on, get him up and step out in front of those headlights where I can see you. Come on, before I let you... shoot, mister. Well, I'll... What do you want? Not to get shot right now. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Kind of jumpy, aren't you? Yeah, maybe. Were you going into this joint here? Well, I was. <laughs> well, come on, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. 
I think I earned it at that. Well, howdy, folks. Good to see somebody out kind of late, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, black coffee, huh? How about you? The same, I guess. Look, uh, I'm sorry I frightened you. Say, what's your name? Eileen. Eileen Harrison. What's yours? George Javery. Say, uh, what are you doing walking along a million miles from no place at this time of night? <laughs> I started driving east in the $50 jalopy yesterday like a fool. It just fell apart on me. I was coming in here to phone or something. Oh, how far east are you going? Greenwich, Connecticut. I'm going to New York myself. Uh, you're welcome. I mean, if... Well, I... Oh, oh, look, if you don't like me, you can always get out and start to walk again. What have you got to lose? <laughs> well, all right. Thanks. And I could use a little company right now. Here you are. Piece of pie? Piece of pie, bud? Huh? Oh, oh, no. How about a hamburger? We got good hamburgers, you know. We got... No, no, no. Just be quiet a minute, will you? Be quiet? Yeah. What's the matter? Shh. Shut up, now, the two of you. Sure, anything you say. Say, what's the matter with you? I'm listening for something, that's all. What? There he comes. Hey, where are you going? That wasn't it. You know, what's going on, bud? You hot or something? No, there's a car out there. It's been following me for the last 200 miles. Yeah? How'd you know? I know it. I took a side road. He did, too. I tried to duck him, and he hung on. He kept following me. I, I'm sure that... Listen. Listen, that must be it now. I, he's not coming in. He's waiting. For what? Me. Look. Look, Eileen, hear the keys to the car. Go out and drive it up the side entrance. I'll be waiting at the door. All right. No, no, go ahead. He won't hurt you. Hurry. Okay. Hey, mister, you ain't in trouble, are you? I don't want no trouble, Mike. I'll keep your shirt on. You'll be all right. Here. Don't you want your change? No, keep it. Hop in. I'll slide over. Thanks. Look back now, baby. See if you see that other car following us. I don't think so. Say, look, pal, I don't want to be nosy, but... Uh, Eileen, I, I wouldn't kid you. I don't know what it is. Is anyone following us? No, I don't think so. Oh. Oh, uh, lights. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's someone following us. No? How fast are we going now? About 60. All right, watch. Hey, please be careful, George. I'll be careful. Is he coming? Uh-huh, I think he's gaining on us. Yeah, I thought so. Well, we'll see how much this guy wants to play. He had a pretty big car, you know. Yeah, I know. Is he still gaining? Closing up pretty fast. Oh, I can't stand this much longer, and I'm going to do something about it. What are you going to do? I'm going to pull to one side, slam on the brakes, and see what happens. Hey, George! I'll force him into the ditch if I have to. It's what he's trying to do to us. Hang on. we hit? Just for a second. You notice anything about him? Not much. Well, I did. He was a man with only one arm. Well, this is that Harry's place that guy told me about. You sure you like steak? Who doesn't? Well, it's the place for you, then. Finest steaks the side of Chicago, they tell me. Come on. 
Table for two, sir? Uh, yeah, please. Right this way. Right here. Here's a nice table right by the window. That's fine, thanks. And madame? Thank you. Uh, two steaks, please. Uh, both medium rare. All right? Yes, right. sir. Thank you, sir. George, to get back to our little problem. Our little problem? All right, so it's your problem and I'm stuck with it. Are you sure you don't have any enemies? How could I? I've been out of the country for over a year. I didn't have any when I left. Well, could there be any connection with that work you were doing with the Chinese government? Oh, not a chance. I, I uh, well, look, I don't know any secret plans, and I have no agent X-9. Well, all that's out. Well, maybe it's all just a coincidence. Oh, sure. A one-armed guy tags me all over Reno, then says he's a poor hitchhiker. Then he acts like he's trying to pull a stick up, and then a hundred miles beyond where I've dropped him, he shows up in a big Cadillac. Just a coincidence. Call for Mr. Javery. George. Telephone for Mr. Javery. Call for George Javery. Yeah. Another coincidence. What do you suppose? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. George, don't. Come on, we'll both go answer it. Uh, are you Mr. Javery? Yeah. Well, that's good. They've been trying to reach you all day. All day? Yes, this is about the tenth call we've had for you. Uh, the phone booth is right this way. One little coincidence after another. Calling me all day at a joint I've never been in before in my life. George, don't answer it. Now, look, you just keep an eye out while I'm in the booth. All right. Oh, pardon me. Why, of course. Hello? 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 Can I help you, sir? Why, yes, I had a call on this wire, but... I'm sorry, but your party seems to have disconnected. Did you call them? Uh, no, 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 forget it. What was it, George? Come on, let's go out to the car. Well, what was it? I don't know. Whoever it was, as soon as I answered, they hung up. Come on, come on, there's a guy following us. The guy I bumped into at the phone booth. Oh... That's what that phone call was for. Get in the car, quick. Here he comes. Oh, oh, Mr. Javery. George, he's pointing something. It's a camera. Thanks, Mr. Javery. Hey, what's the idea of taking pictures of me? It's a hobby. I'll send you a print. At the morgue. Bright spots of old Chicago. Yeah, a little too bright. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we present direct from 10 weeks run in New York, the world famed sharpshooter, Professor Glittenheimer. This is going to be all right, George. He's good. I saw his act in Hollywood. He's quite a comedian. Well, that's swell. A little comedy had come in handy now. George, you promised me. Come on, relax. Okay. <laughs> he shoots with the light bulbs, and whether he hits them or not, they always break. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, blindfolded. <laughs> he, he didn't even aim at it. Sure, that's the point. Later, he's going to shoot straight up, and a bulb in the back of him will break. <laughs> and now, over my shoulder, the left. No, no, it's the right shoulder. It's harder yet. It's funny, isn't it? George, your glass, it's shattered. Come on, Eileen, we're leaving. Please, ladies and gentlemen, please. The 
Please, please wait, sir. Don't leave. I, I'm terribly sorry. Won't you stay and finish your dinner? Uh, please, sir, our, our apologies. A most regrettable accident. Yeah? Only it wasn't. Wasn't? Wasn't an accident. That comic up there shoots blank cartridges. Well, of course, but... Yes, and what broke my glass was a bullet. And it didn't come from the stage. One dollar. Thank you. Good old Bear Mountain Bridge. We're almost there. Yep. With any luck, we ought to be in New York by 10 o'clock. And the way you've been driving, I don't see how anyone could have followed us. Oh, why do you think I was driving that way? Gee, it's a beautiful night. Look at that moon. Yeah. Let's stop a minute. Why? Oh, I don't know, just to look down at the water. All right. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the old Hudson River. I guess I'd better turn off the lights. I'm not sure I'm allowed to stop in the middle of the bridge. Come over here by the rail, George. Gosh, isn't it lovely? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Oh, look at that boat down there. It looks it looks a little... It... I wonder how far it is down to that water from here. Oh, I guess about 150 feet or so. I'm awfully glad you decided to come this way. Why did you? Oh, it's less traffic and not as many cars as on the George Washington Bridge or the tunnel. And, well, it's less chance of being spotted. You still thinking of that? That's kind of hard to forget, isn't it? Just the same, I wish you would. It's not doing... Uh, look, look. What? It's a car, and it looks like it's going to pull up behind us. George, you, you don't no, think... No, I, I don't know, but if some monkey's looking for trouble, he's going to get it because I've had enough. What are you going to do? Now, look, I'll crouch down in front of the car here where he can't see me. He'll pull up behind us so his headlights will be on us if he's up to anything funny. Now, he's beginning to pull over now. Now, look, okay, okay, you talk to him. Stall him, then we'll see. All right, but George... Don't you know you're not allowed to stop in the middle of the bridge? Why? I just stopped a minute to look at the water. You alone? Why, yes. I thought I saw a man standing here with you just now. No. The California plates on your car, ain't they? Yes, I I just drove through from the coast. You pick up any hitchhikers on the way? Uh, Anybody that looks like this? Like what? Like the guy in this picture. That's the picture someone took it. I thought so. All right, sister, where is he? Right here, bud. George, look out, he's got a gun. Why, you... Now let's see how good you are without a gun. George, the railing, he's trying to throw you over. He's George! (sighs) Come on, kid, let's go. Well, we made it. Home at last. Home? This is the Bancroft Hotel. The only home I ever had in New York. Boy, take these bags. Now, sir, if you leave the key, I'll have your car garage for you. Yeah, sure. Here you are. Thank you. George, I could go home, you know. What? Travel out to Connecticut this time of night? (laughs) It isn't that far. Come on, you get a good night's rest right here. Then you can catch an early train in the morning. Well, all right. Yes, sir. You'll uh, wish a room then, sir? Uh, two rooms, please. Yes, sir. Will you sign here, please? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. J... Oh, Mr. George Javery. What about it? N- nothing, sir. Only uh, we have your reservations. Reservation? But I, I... Oh, 
Oh, I get it. Another coincidence. Sir? Uh, skip it. George. Eileen, uh, look, uh, maybe you're right. You you better go on home. George, you're coming home with me. I, I'm sorry, Eileen, but this is journey's end, and I'm going to see it through. Well, then, so am I. Eileen. Please, George. Okay. Okay, come on. Well, what do you know? What? Our friend sitting over there by that post. The man who took the picture? Yeah, yeah. Last act coming up. Oh, clerk. Yes, sir? Uh, what room do I have? 706, sir. Oh, it's fine. The lady? Yes, sir. Room 614 for her. Front boy. This way, Mr. Javery. Going up? Six, please. George, shouldn't you call the police or something? And tell them what? Oh, I... I don't know. Now, look, honey, you get a good night's sleep, I'll be okay. I mean, after all, this is New York. Six out. Good night, darling. Good night. Seven. It's right this way, sir, to the left. Here we are, sir. Just put the bags over there, son. Uh, will that be all, sir? Yep. Here you are. Thank you, sir. Hello, George Javery. <coughs> Took you longer than I expected. Brown. A man I met in Reno. What are you doing here? Waiting for you. And the name ain't Brown, that's Javery. Javery? Yeah. George Javery. <laughs> Javery, I can't think you thank you enough for what you've done for me. What I've done for you? Sure. You've been a great help. All right, let's have it. Look, Javery, you've come to the end of the road. But I think you're entitled to know why. <coughs> you don't know me, do you? I'm Bill Malone. Oh. Scarface Malone. Yeah. Only I don't have scars anymore, see? That's the point. Took me two years and a lot of pain to get a new face. And I didn't get it just to look good in a coffin. Know what I mean? No, I'm afraid I don't. After a guy in my business has been away for a year or two, he's not always welcome back, see? And he generally finds out about it with a bullet in the back. That's why you struck me as a good idea. Oh, I did, did I? Yeah. I don't believe in taking chances, see? The boys thought I was coming east under the name of George Javery. Oh, so the one-armed guy and all the rest... No, he was one of my boys. You were kind of rough with him, Mr. Javery. Well, he wasn't exactly playing beanbag himself. Jerry, he wouldn't hurt you. I just sent him to tell you, so I'd have a line on where you were. After you dusted him off, I, it was just a break for me that you went to that steakhouse. Otherwise, I might have lost you. A candid cameraman, too, I suppose. Yeah. After I lost Jerry, I figured I wouldn't take any chances. Send a picture around to the boys. Like the guy that took a pot at you in Chicago. And the guy you tossed over the bridge. The boys that were out to get me, see? Only they didn't know all the time it was you. No chances, know what I mean? Yeah, only I can't exactly say I'm glad to have been of service. So if you drop that gun, I'll go. Not yet, Javery. There's just one thing more you can do. Yeah? Stand over by that window. What for? Stand over there and drop your hands. The boys wouldn't quite understand it if you had your hands up. The boys? Yeah, the ones I've been telling you about. When I pull up that shade, they're going to take a pot shot at me through that window. 
When they do, they'll get me. Only it'll be you. They'll never know the difference. Now, over to that window. They know you're already here, so move. You uh, don't mind if I sort of stroll, do you? After all, this is a surprise. Come on. Over to that window. And if I don't? I'll plug you. And if I do? You see, Malone, that's a trouble with your system. No incentive. You know what I... Don't make a move. George, is anything wrong? George! Get over there in that corner. Don't hurt her, Malone. He's going to lock the door, that's all. Taking no chances, see? Then here's some light so you can see what you're doing. What are you... Oh. oh, it's all right, Arlene. It's all right, darling. Oh. Well, there lies our nemesis, the late Mr. Scarface Malone, otherwise known as the guy who never took chances. But he's dead. Yeah, yeah, smart guy. But he made just one mistake. He forgot that the door is right in line of fire with a window. George, what are you going to do? I'm going to call the police and explain this little drama to them. After all, I think it's about time people stop taking pot shots at your future husband. Don't you? This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, that was Spence with Death Went Along for the Ride, starring Gene Kelly. Now, our next episode, you might recognize him. It was adapted from a short story and also later adapted into an episode of The Twilight Zone. Like I said, Suspense really was sort of the radio forerunner of The Twilight Zone in many ways, I I think. But uh, this is The Hitchhiker, and I'm sure you've seen the uh, Twilight Zone episode, but uh, there's there's a few differences. In the the Twilight Zone episode, the main character is a woman. Uh, Here it is a guy. And, uh, well, look, I'll let you, I'll let you, uh, hear it for yourself, and you can see what else is different about it. The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you... Suspense. Columbia's parade of outstanding thrillers, produced and directed by William Spear and scored by Bernard Herrmann. The notable melodramas from stage and screen, fiction and radio, presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair, to keep you in suspense. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. I'm very happy I am to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one. Back with old friends like Johnny Dietz, who's tonight's director, and Bernard Herman. The Mercury Theater presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as a classic of the medium. Nobody argued the point. A lot of people asked us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now and to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. 
Personally, I've never met anybody who didn't like a good ghost story. But I know a lot of people who think there are a lot of people who don't like a good ghost story. For the benefit of these, at least, I go on record at the outset of this evening's entertainment with a sober assurance that although blood may be curdled on this program, none will be spilt. There's no shooting, knifing, throttling, axing, or poisoning here. No clanking chains, no cobwebs, no bony and or hairy hands appearing from secret panels or, better yet, bedroom curtains. If it's any part of that dear old phosphorescent foolishness that people who don't like ghost stories don't like, then again, I promise you, we haven't got it. Not tonight. What we do have is a thriller. It's half as good as we think it is. You can call it a shocker. It's already been called a real Orson Welles story. Now, frankly, I don't know what this means. I've been on the air directing and acting in my own shows for quite a while now, and I don't suppose I've done more than half a dozen thrillers in all that time. Honestly, I don't think even that many, but it seems I do have a reputation for the uncanny. Quite possibly, a little escapade of mine involving a couple of planets, which shall be nameless, is responsible. Doesn't really matter. Don't think I disapprove of thrillers. I don't. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart. It can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want your heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. I'm in an auto camp on... Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me. Keep me from going, going crazy. I've got to tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age. Unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. That it's not me who's gone mad. It's something else. Something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss. And I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. Oh, no, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Oh. Hey, what's this? Tears? I thought you'd promise me you wouldn't cry. Oh, I know, dear. I, I'm sorry. But I... I do hate to see mother, you both. I'll be back. It'll always be the... On the course, three months. Oh, it isn't that. It's, it's just the trip. Ronald, I wish you weren't driving. Oh, Mother, there you go again. People do it every day. I know, but you're a bit careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Oh, gosh. I think I was still 17 here, you told me. Oh, 
And why, I mean, as soon as you get to Hollywood? Won't you, son? Of course I will. Don't you worry. There's nothing going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads. With a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. I was in fine spirits. The drive ahead of me, even the loneliness, seemed like a lark. I reckoned without him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought probably one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beaten me to the Skyway and let him off. I didn't stop for him. And late that night, I saw him again. It's on the new Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him, standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I'd seen quite distinctly the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hallooed at me this time. Hello! Hello! Stepped on the gas like a shot. That's lonely countries for the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides the coincidences or whatever it was, neither the Willies. Stopped at the next gas station. Uh, fill her up. Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir? No, thanks. Nice night, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it hasn't been raining here recently, has it? Not a drop of rain all away. Oh? Oh, I, I suppose that doesn't done your business any harm. Oh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I suppose not. What, uh, uh, uh what about hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers here? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? Not much. If we did, it'd be a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it. Then, you've never seen anybody? No. Maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And you know, this is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen anybody like that, have you? Uh, no. Oh, no, not, not at all. I was just uh, a technical questioner. <laughs> I see. Well, that'll be just a dollar forty-nine with the tax. 
gradually passed through my mind a sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until... until just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour in front of the barrier. He was standing... Now let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little, with a cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he looked up. He hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello? 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 No, not just now. Sorry. Going to California? No, not today. The other way. Going to New York. Sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me, was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt more than ever, unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by, fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we do in the daytime. But we're closed up now for the I night. know. When I was wondering if you could possibly have a cup of coffee, black coffee, just... No, not this time of night, mister. My wife's the cook. She's a man. No, don't shut the door. Please, listen. Just a minute ago... Uh, <laughs> just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside the stand, a suspicious-looking man. I, I don't mean to disturb it. You see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. How was he doing? Well, nothing. You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. Now, on your way before I call out your boats. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was getting to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop, to rest a little. I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now few resort places there were closed, only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild, wooded landscape. I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. next afternoon. I stopped a car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by. 
he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. Perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, during the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. And something went wrong with the car. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. And now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Frustrated him that time. The starter worked at last. I managed to back up. When the train passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on... I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there. Like a ride? Well, what do you think? How far are you going? Uh, where do you want to go? Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee. Uh, you mind if I take off my shoes? My dogs are killing me. Go right ahead. Oh. Gee, what a break this is. A hitchhike much? Sure. Only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the break. Uh, I should think it would be, though. I'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car. If you did, you could get places faster than, say, another person in another car, couldn't you? I don't get you. Well, take me, for instance. Suppose I'm, I'm driving across the country, say, at a nice steady clip about 45 miles an hour. Uh, couldn't couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for list beat me to town or any town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour? I don't know. What difference does it make? Oh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. <laughs> Imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself, why, I just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and, and relax. And if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road... Hey, look out! Did you see who? A man standing beside the barbed wire fence. Oh, I didn't see anybody. I, it wasn't nothing but a bunch of cows and, and a wire fence. No? What did you think you was doing? Trying to run into the barbed wire. There's a man fence. there, I tell you. A thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. And I, I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? Say so you didn't see him back there? You sure? I didn't see a soul. As far as watch I can Watch for him the next time and keep watching. 
your eyes peeled on the road. You'll turn up again. Maybe any minute. There! Look there! How does this door work? I, I'm getting out Did of here. Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I will very long, driving with you. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't... I... I don't know what came over me, but please don't go. So if you'll excuse me... You can't go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh-uh, thanks just the same. Listen, please, just, just one minute, please. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend. Just a good dose of sleep. Please. There, I got it now. Now you can't go, please. Come Your back. hands off me. Do you hear me? Your hands off me. She ran from me. As though I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. It was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get hold of myself. I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for a few hours along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello? Maybe I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there. For now, he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was sitting near the drinking fountain, a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo Reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was... I was afraid to stop now. I began to drive faster and faster. I was... in... in lunar landscape now. The great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in the same attitude over the cold, lifeless ground, flitting over dried-up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. Cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together.
your call, please. Long distance. Long distance, certainly. This is long distance. I'd like uh, <laughs> I'd like to put a, in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. I'm a, the, the number is Beechwood 200828. Certainly. I will try to get it for you. Albuquerque. New York for Gallup. New York. Gallup, New Mexico, calling Beechwood 20828. I read somewhere that love could banish demons. It's the middle of the morning. I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured her tall and white-haired in her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. Be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? Deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining eighty five cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello? hello? Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, hello, Mother. This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? What? Who is this? This is Mrs. Winnie. Mrs. Winnie? I I don't know any Mrs. Winnie. Is this Beechwood 208828? Yes. Uh, Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family? What's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. Nervous breakdown. But who is this Nervous breakdown? Well, my grandmother never was nervous. It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. Death of her... Death of her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, what's this? What number is this? This is Beechwood 20828. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so... So I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in... Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think. Trying to get hold of myself. Otherwise, I... I'm going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa, mountains, prairies, desert. 
somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. the hitchhiker, and to Orson Welles, our considerable thanks for his playing of the title role. All right, that was the last of our suspense doubleheader involving road trips, and it uh, looks like we're all packed up. McLean fished his western shirt out of the dumpster. We got the, all right. we got the beef hash loaded up in the car, and uh, I think we're all set for a road trip, my friend. Let's pile into the car. Uh, we're leaving in the morning, McLean. I'm, I'm not... Well, I know, I'm but I figured there. we could save time by sleeping in the car. Uh, you can do that if you want. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go home. Okay, but if you're not at the door at 5 a.m. sharp, I'm leaving without you. Okie doke. All right, folks, this has been Yesterday Today. I think we might actually, uh, we might record, uh, the next episode while we're on the road. Uh, wherever we happen to be, I have a little portable, uh, microphone thing with me. That, uh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? An on-the-spot, live, wherever we're at in... There's desert somewhere out in New Mexico recording an episode of yesterday. Anyway, uh, that's next week, folks. But for now, uh, thanks for listening. And I uh, hope we brought you some good sounds from the past. McLean, stop taking the corned beef out. There's not enough room to sit in the car. Okay, fine. You may remove one crate of the beef hash, but it's coming out of your provisions. Good. I don't like beef hash. Hey.